0: Holy Hour of Power, my name is Jesse Romero, back in studio, I've been gone for six days over in St. Louis, Missouri, speaking at different parishes and conferences over there. Just want to remind you that the month of May, what a beautiful month, it's dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In May, it's spring in North America, and the flowers are beginning to bloom, the earth is fresh and new, symbolizing new life. Mary's, yes, her fiat to bear Jesus to the world gave us new life. And she's the new Eve of the new creation. And this month, as Mother's Day was celebrated, remember that we not only honored our earthly mother, but more importantly, we honor Holy Mother Mary as well. And in fact, it was, it was Catholic devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary that actually spilled into the American culture And gave us Mother's Day. This was as a result of the influence of Catholics. Hey, we're going to have a good host uh, on the next segment. He's going to be talking about the Antichrist. I'm going to be talking with Joshua Charles. He's a best-selling author, a historian, a classical pianist, and a former White House speechwriter. He has degrees in music, government, and law. He came into the Catholic Church from Protestantism in 2019 He wrote a book, it's called The War of the Antichrist. Boy, oh boy, do I have a lot of questions to ask him. Also, we'll be having our church militant segment towards the end, but uh, before I continue talking about the news of the day, I want to talk about what's most important, today's gospel. And actually... I want to share today, John chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Beautiful, beautiful, soothing words of Christ that just really lifts me up. Let me give you a piece of advice. Catholics, read the daily mass readings. You can read them from the old right or the new right. I prefer reading them from the new right and I'll tell you why because there's much more scripture reading in the new rite. And so I like to try to read as much of the Bible every day as possible. So I've disciplined myself to read the daily mass readings from the new rite, because it has much more scripture. And I'm a Bible junkie. So John chapter 17, verse 11 to 19, speak Lord, your servants are listening Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed saying, Holy Father, keep them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me and I guarded them and none of them was lost except the son of destruction. That's a reference to Judas, the betrayer. He was lost, which, what does that mean? He was damned. Our Lord says, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. I speak this in the world so that they may share my joy completely. I gave them your word and the world hated them. Isn't that the truth? Look what's happening at Dodger Stadium. Dodger corporate hates Catholics. Why? Because real Catholics promote goodness, beauty, and truth. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this world hates Jesus. That's why they hate the Catholic Church. That's why there's this mockery of Catholicism in Dodger Stadium. The Bible says, I gave them your word and the world hated them because they do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And I consecrate myself for them so that they also... May be consecrated in truth. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Couple things jump out at me. Number one, what's the most important thing for Catholics? It's unity. And there's a whole lot of division in the body of Christ right now. Started with the Protestants, continued with the Enlightenment thinkers. It's continued with liberal Catholics now, woke Catholics, starting it's called modernism. And even even amongst good Catholics, there's division. We have to remember that the high calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is unity. Unity. That they may all be one. The words today that also touch my soul is is Jesus. uh, He warns us that the world is going to hate us. Why? Because the world hates Jesus. He warns us that we do not belong to the world any more than Jesus belongs to the world. Jesus says to his father, he says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That's just like the Our Father. We pray that God protects us from the evil one. That's Satan. Same thing in John chapter 17. Jesus is asking the Father to protect us from the devil. And Jesus also tells us that we don't belong to this world, we're citizens of heaven. And our Lord says that he's consecrated us in truth. What does that mean? He's dedicated us. He's dedicated us to the truth. And he says that his word is truth. You know, heaven and earth may pass away and will pass away, but the word of God will last forever. As Catholics, there's one thing that is a sure foundation. The rock, the rock is Christ. And his word is true. Everything on planet earth. They're all shifting sands. The only thing that is permanent. Is God's word. That's the rock. That's the truth. That's bedrock reality. Thy word is truth. Which takes me to the issue of what's happening. Over with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers are about to blaspheme the Catholic Church by having homosexual men from San Francisco that call themselves Catholic nuns. They're not nuns. They're homosexual men, dressed as nuns, mocking nuns, mocking religious consecrated virgins. The Los Angeles Dodgers is a woke organization they are celebrating June as Pride Month. The whole month. Are, they're celebrating sodomy, basically. That's what it is. We as Catholics, on June, we celebrate the Sacred Heart of Jesus. What a difference. We don't celebrate. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins that if it goes unchecked, you go to hell. You go to hell because of the sin of pride. Left Unchecked. I wrote a blog yesterday the 23rd and I wrote a small little sample letter you can cut and paste it and send it to Eric Braverman he's the Dodger executive that's in charge of of this pride month and this pride he's the one that's invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence These homosexual men they're not women they're not nuns they're homosexual men from San Francisco his personal email is Eric, E-R-I-K-B at L.A. Dodgers.com. Eric B 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 at L.A. Dodgers.com. That's E-R-I-K-B at L.A. Dodgers.com. Eric Braverman is the Dodger executive director that's in charge of this event. He's a practicing homosexual. In fact, he was married there on Dodger. In, in, he was involved in a in a same-sex marriage, which of course is fake. Inside the Dodger infield, you can watch articles on the internet with him and his male lover. And so, I have a sample, just a little sample, two or three sentences. Go to my blog, jessieromero.com. Go to my blog. It's yesterday's blog. Just copy what I wrote, put it on an email, and send it. It'll take you 30 seconds to do this. We need to let this executive from the Dodgers know that he has crossed the line. My letter is respectful. It's firm, but it's brief. Here's what it says. Quote, I am a Dodger fan, and you have disrespected my Catholic faith by your invitation to the sister's Of the perpetual indulgence. Who are actually homosexual men. I will no longer. Patronize the Los Angeles Dodgers. Major League Baseball team. In any way shape or form. I will let others know that your organization. Has made a mockery. Of the Catholic faith. Would you do this to the Muslim. Or Jewish religion. That is. Honoring homosexual men. Dressed in burqas. Or a skull cap. So much for unifying the community. Your organization, the L.A. Dodgers, has done a great job of dividing us. Sincerely, then just sign your name or type in your name. Just go to my website, yesterday's blog. It's called Los Angeles Dodgers Organization Blasphemes the Catholic Faith. Eric Braverman is the executive director. His email is there. His phone number is there as well. You can leave a voicemail. Just read what I have written there and just give your name. Be respectful, firm, and brief. Leave him a message. The phone number is on my blog. His phone number is on my blog. And his email is on my blog. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking to Joshua Charles. War of the Antichrist. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back to Terry and Jesse show Two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. My partner, Terry's out doing some apostolic work. I'm here with Joshua Charles, Joshua, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. My friend, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Joshua, you come, uh, I'm looking at your bio and, and, and I'm just, I remember, uh, I fought in the ring for 10 years and, uh, whenever we were going to any fighter who's fought in the ring, like I have you always look at your opponent's bio and you say, okay, how many wins does he have? How many losses does he have? How many knockouts does he have? <laughs> I'm telling you, your bio is impressive. I'm glad we're Ron- all- Oh, thank people- you. <laughs> well, I'm
1: humbled to be with you, my friend. I've admired you from afar for many years. so, And we have many mutual <laughs> friends, so I'm honored to be here.
0: You know, Joshua, uh, you wrote a 10 book. It's called War of the Antichrist. This is probably one of the most- um, intriguing topics in Catholicism and I just uh, want to commend you the fact that you've uh, you've uh, you've tread waters where very few people very few people tread uh, when it comes to the Antichrist so let me ask you uh, well let me just mention to the audience that you're a number you're a number one New York Times best-selling author you're a historian you're a classical pianist those guys are always the smart guys who's smarter a boxer or a classic pianist I say I dare say a classic pianist. He's a former White House speech writer. He has degrees in music, government, and law. He's a convert into the Catholic faith. Welcome home, my friend. He came into the Catholic Church from Protestantism in 2019. Uh, Impressive bio. His book, uh, it's a TAN release. It's called War of the Antichrist. So, Joshua, what attracted you to the book, which ultimately led you to editing this new TAN edition? Because I guess you had taken some prior work, correct? Tell us about... Some of the things that you access to write your book, and you started editing and you came up with your own book.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, this is called The War of the Antichrist with the Church and Christian Civilization. It was originally written in 1885. Wow. Well, published in 1885 by Monsignor George Dillon. He was an Irish priest who had been a representative of Pope Pius IX in Australia. He was a evangelist for many, many years. And he was responding to Pope Leo XIII's call in Humanum Genus to. Tear off the mask of Freemasonry. Humanum Genus was his great encyclical on Freemasonry. And so these are actually a set of lectures that Monsignor Dillon delivered when he was on tour, I guess you could say, in the United Kingdom in late 1884. And it was published in 1885. And Pope Leo XIII endorsed it. And basically, what Monsignor Dillon does is he lays out the gist and some of the details as well of this organized conspiracy, occult conspiracy to basically overturn Christendom and its methods, its theology, its philosophy. uh, Some of the key players, uh, he speculates as to some of who who the other figures are. But he basically claims that there is this occult conspiracy to overturn Christendom. And he lays out among its agenda items, if any of this sounds familiar to you or your audience, Mm -hmm. uh, make make divorce really easy in the laws, Uh -uh. make divorce easier to do than break a business contract. Uh, destroy mm-hmm. the temporal. Remember, the the papal states existed for a thousand plus years. Destroy the temporal and then the spiritual authority of the pope. Completely mm-hmm. secularize education. Encourage immorality among the people. Uh, and that it's all propelled by a socialistic, communist agenda that will end in some form of nature worship, pantheism. Unboldened Does that sound familiar,
0: Jesse? <laughs> As you're talking, I'm going, check? check. Yeah. Check, <laughs> yeah. check. Sounds so, like- and I was reading this. I wow. discovered this
1: work wow. while uh, we were in the lockdowns in 2020. <laughs> so of all, of all times to discover it. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, man, this is extremely relevant. And uh, I, I, uh, I, I think more Catholics need to read this. And
0: uh, yeah. Joshua, good That's, for you, brother. Uh, uh, so, so I'm going to thank Mr. Fauci for, for, for this book though. I don't, I don't <laughs> thank him for everything else he's done, but uh At least some good fruit came out. The fact that you gave... Because I'm telling you, this book, it's so relevant. This is exactly where we're at right now in 2023. We are living what you wrote in this book. And I guess you're taking this from a a book that was written 130 years ago. This uh, This is prescient. This is here and now. You know, Joshua, Christians have perennially taught that hell has always waged a war against the mystical body of Christ and that diabolical powers seek to destroy what God has established. Is that something that you lay out in the book?
1: Yeah, so basically what I did as the editor of the book is I wrote a pretty extensive introduction where I kind of compiled all of the papal pronouncements on Freemasonry, distilled it, have a, quite a number of quotes from original Freemasonic sources themselves, and kind of explained Monsignor Dillon's thesis. Um, And then I provided a bunch of explanatory footnotes throughout the book that basically explain, you know, people, events, things like that, that many modern readers are probably not familiar with. Even even, I love history, even some of the figures and mentions I wasn't familiar with. So, you know, did provide a little bio of all of them. Uh, But yeah, so one one. uh, Well, two quick points. First, when we say Freemasonry, Pope Leo XIII makes this point and Monsignor Dill makes this point. We don't mean the nice guys at the local fraternity. I mean we do mean them. You know, Catholics can't be Freemasons, right? Yeah. But we're talking a mu- at a at a much higher level. Monsignor Dillon and Pope Leo XIII both talk about how many Catholics have been suckered into basically the lower levels of Freemasonry in the name of, you know, fraternity and charitable work and things like that. And so, um we're not talking about those guys per se. Uh we're talking about a a a uh a conspiracy at a much higher level, at a much uh, more, uh, a much more secretive, uh, dark council, as Monsignor Dillon describes it.
0: Okay, um, so and, you, and you, yeah, you you mentioned something that the audience needs context on. So, who are the Freemasons and what are their goals? The
1: Freemasons, the way I've described it as. I'll describe it as monster Dylan in Pope Leo XIII. Freemasonry is a catch-all term for basically occultism and Satanism, mm-hmm. and whose primary agenda is to overturn Christian civilization. Now, how do they propose to do that? I mentioned the agenda items. What's the common thread that links all those agenda items? It's separating nature from grace. We as Catholics believe that from, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, that we inherited original sin. So what does that mean? Original sin means our intellect can't quite tell what's right and wrong, and our will is very weak to follow it, okay? That's why we need to be regenerated and born again in baptism and live a sacramental life, because in the sacraments, God literally heals us. He heals our nature. He enlightens our intellect. He strengthens our will so that both can ride together, hopefully all the way to heaven, right? Whenever we sin, we separate those two things. Basically, Freemasonry contends there is no such thing As original sin. Occultism, really, Satanism, there is no such thing as original sin, and what the Catholic faith teaches we can only achieve through the sacraments and participating with God's grace. Occultism teaches, no, you just need a gnosis, you need a particular set of knowledge, and by that knowledge you access a divinity that's already within yourself. That is essentially the essence of all occultism. So they basically, in the Catholic view, want to separate nature from grace in all aspects of society. That's why they wanted to destroy the papacy. That's why they wanted to destroy the sacramental character of marriage. That's why they wanted to secularize education. That's why they wanted a complete separation, not just a distinction, but a complete separation between church and state. So that the state doesn't have the authority of the church to answer to and can really start defining morality on its own. We're seeing that every day we look out. And so Freemasonry, you know its official founding date was in 1717. Many Freemasons themselves, you know, in London, many Freemasons themselves believe it went further back. I quote a number of Masonic sources in the introduction that basically what they claim, I'm not saying I believe this, but what they claim is that they are the inheritors of the pagan mystery system. What what does that mean? Before our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world through the incarnation, the world was dominated by idolatry. Men worshiped idols. The Jews were the sole believers in one God, but even the Jews, because they lack the grace of the new covenant, they fell frequently. They fell. That's what, you know, that's one of the, well, one of the great indicators that the Bible is legitimate is it speaks very poorly of the, of, of the people who are actually writing it. So, yeah, so it's, it's, right. a, it's a very honest document. So, um, but this is what the system that dominated the world. And we know from St. Paul, who was quoting the Psalms, that idolatry is literally the worship of demons. Okay and so the worship of demons dominated the world and this is why when satan tempted our lord among the things he tempted him with was all the kingdoms of the world he said they've been given over to me if you just bow down and worship me i will give them to you well we know that the story turned out very differently our lord jesus christ through the passion and resurrection won back those kingdoms to himself which is why he is christ is king he has all authority on heaven on earth he purchased that at the cross okay and so what with the incarnation a new mystery system breaks into the world and it heals our nature and that is the christian mystery system the catholic mystery system the sacraments and those sacraments pushed back the dominion of satan and so the essentially freemasonry and occultism sees itself as a resurrecting ironically you know whether you want to call it the new world order or whatever Ironically, they see themselves as resurrecting what we would see as an old world order. The new world order is the one that Jesus Christ started uh, with his death, burial, and resurrection. Hmm. Uh, but they see themselves as resurrecting the old, uh, the old pagan system, essentially. Where again, by by gnosis, by knowledge, exactly as Satan tempted Eve and Adam in the garden. Oh, by this knowledge, by eating of this, the knowledge of the or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will, you will become like gods. And what's what's implicit in that? uh temptation implicit in that temptation is there's already some sort of divinity within you so when you hear pop stars when you hear oprah when you hear a lot of the new age stuff that's in our culture talking about you're perfect as you are you know the divine is within access the divine within awaken these are all uh forms of occultism they're forms of uh freemasonry essentially again using that term as a catch-all yeah um you don't have to be you don't have to be a freemason in name to believe fundamentally Freemasonic things. And when you go down that agenda item, marriage should be easy, destroy the separation of church and state, secularized education, whatnot. Most people in the modern world take these things completely for granted. They, they, they think they're good and true principles.
0: We're talking to Joshua Charles. His book is called War of the Antichrist. Pick it up in 10 books. This book is relevant. This book needs to be read by every Catholic. War of the Antichrist. 10books.com, 10books.com. Joshua Charles, I have him on here. Fascinating topic. Joshua uh, is since you've done the research. Are Freemasonry and and atheistic socialism and cultural communism are they intermingled or are they complete separate entities?
1: Uh, I won't claim that every person who is a Freemason by name is a communist or a socialist. That's not the contention. Okay. There's there's a there's a binding philosophy at at, with Freemasonry. Let me go back to Satan again, because basically what Monster Dylan says is that Freemasonry and all the occult societies it leads, it's kind of like the phalanx, the phalanx by which Mm. by which Satan is is uh, animated by vengeance. He's been, you know, Monster Dylan seems to believe we're in that period where Satan is briefly unleashed, or we're about to be in that period where he gets one last chance to have revenge against our Lord. We you know, it's been rumored that Pope Leo XIII had a vision of this kind, which has yeah. you know, led to the writing of the St. Michael Joshua,
0: hold, hold that thought, my friend. We're going to a hard break. Okay. okay. listening to Joshua Charles. His book is called Phenomenal Read, War of the Antichrist. Talk about a timely topic. Pick it up at tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. We will continue on the next segment with my friend Joshua Charles. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back to Terry and Jesse Show. I'm here with my friend Joshua Charles. He's done the church a huge favor. He's written a book called The War of the Antichrist. 10books.com. Pick one up. 10books.com. This book is eschatology here and now. We're not talking about something that's going to happen in a thousand years or something that happened in a thousand years. This is happening right now. This is a prescient book. Joshua, tell us about... um, how this has affected America here. Monsignor Dillon, he details the Masonic plot to de-Christianize the world through the separation of church and state. You touched on that a little bit. Is this, hap- is this strategy happening now in America? I think I know your answer.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, I think it goes much further back than just the present day. Uh, that's a huge topic. You know, the, kind of the, the, you know, There's much about the founding that I admire, but there's also some grave problems The problem with the separation of church and state, complete separation, is this. As I was saying, we as Catholics believe that when we come into the world where our nature is damaged by original sin, that means our intellect can't quite see the truth and our will can't really follow it either. We need to be reborn in baptism, right? And so basically, so we accept we need a higher spiritual power. We need grace in our souls. Well, the same is true of the state. The state, if it separates itself from the spiritual authority God has established to teach faith and morals, i.e. the Catholic Church, the state is likewise in a similar situation where it cannot perceive what the natural law is and it therefore cannot legislate according to it. And we've seen that when a state separates itself from the life-giving authority of the church, um, it doesn't just stop uh, legislating basic natural law, it starts legislating unnatural law. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. Uh, we've seen it for, frankly, decades. Uh, you know, contraception is, an un, is a violation of natural jo- law. Joshua, let me we
0: stop hit- you right there. Let me stop you yeah. right there. The last two minutes, <laughs> every Catholic should hear what you just said, the last two minutes. It's the bo- most brilliant analogy I've ever heard in my life of the way the human person in our intellect and will, the way by way of analogy— it parallels our country when our country yeah. separates itself from Christianity, specifically Catholic Christianity. The same thing happens: There's a the intellect is darkened on a natural level, uh, individually, and the country's uh, their moral compass is broken when it when it it unhinges uh, from the the teaching authority set up by God, the Catholic Church. That was brilliant. What you said the last two minutes. Go ahead, my friend. Pick it up from there. Oh, thanks.
1: Uh, well, you know, and it was it's not a perfect system. There's plenty of times when there's been a corruption in the church. You know, this is not this is not a recipe for a paradise. The church has never claimed that. Um, but we do know that through the long ages of Christendom, the Ten Commandments were accepted by everybody as the moral standard. When Machiavelli writes The Prince in the 1500s, it shocked the world because he was basically propounding the sort of amoral view of statesmanship. Uh, which no doubt happened because we have free will, and Baptized Catholics can choose to sin. Uh, there's Judas. There's there's all the heresies and the schisms over the years. So just because you're baptized doesn't mean your free will is locked and always doing what's right. I mean, any of us who are even minutely self aware will know that. But uh, but that's essentially again the root of Freemasonry, occultism, satism, Satanism is separating nature from grace. It is saying nature is sufficient mm-hmm. for itself for its own salvation. And this applies to absolutely everything in society, not just individuals, but also marriage and the state and the relations with the church. And it all goes back to Satan. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas says that when Satan fell, why, why did he fall? Well, it wasn't because Satan truly believed he could be God. I was always kind of confused by that as a Protestant, but St. Thomas says that Satan fell because he wanted to basically behold the beatific vision without grace. He wanted his angelic nature to be sufficient for seeing God in the face. Now, Angels are still creatures. And so there's the issue of how do you connect the infinite God with the finite creature? And the answer the church has always said is grace. And that's exactly what angels need too, even though they're of a higher spiritual nature. So not only that, but Satan foresaw, I mean, you know, this, you've done a lot of exorcism work. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've, uh, witnessed a lot of what I'm about to say. Satan foresaw that God, the uncreated God who is being itself, would assume a lowly human nature to heal it through the Incarnation. And he was disgusted by that. So it was a, it was a form of spiritual xenophobia and racism in a way. Uh, <laughs> his higher angelic nature was disgusted by the fact that that the divine would assume this, low, this lower human nature. Um, and so what did he try to t- tempt Adam and Eve with? He, uh, uh, partake, partake in this gnosis, partake in this knowledge, and you will become like gods. And that's been the temptation ever since. It's a it's a temptation of self-sufficiency. Pope Leo thirteenth and Monsignor Dillon call it naturalism. It's the idea that, again, nature alone. I call it sola natura. I came from Protestantism. And the, the batch of Protestant heresies usually have words like sola fide, faith alone, sola scriptura, scripture alone. So I just point the term for this. What is the essence of Freemasonry? What is the essence of Satanism? It's sola natura, nature alone. And that's how it goes into the socialism and communism aspect and eventually pantheism. Socialism and communism are essentially based on a materialistic view of the world, uh, that by arranging matter in a certain way, you'll come up with some sort of utopia. Uh This goes into also sort of the Hegelian dialectic, the idea that you set up two opposite poles and that provides the energy to propel society toward a new synthesis. They believe that by literally by rearranging the stuff of the universe, you can come up with the Philosopher's Stone. This is, all, this is all deeply interconnected stuff. And so, yeah, that's why it's connected to socialism and communism, because of the naturalism, the sola natura, the idea that nature, apart from grace, is sufficient uh, to do the things that the Catholic faith teaches you can only do with grace.
0: So you, you, you would say even Satanism uh, would appeal to that sola, sola nature? Uh, Absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, what does Satanism want to do? It want, I mean, religion, the root word of religion means to join. The root word of di- diabolical means to separate, and what is the ultimate separation? Separation of nature from grace. Separation of us from the
0: sacraments. Bingo, you, you nailed it. Hey, uh, my friend, what? But uh, how? How is all of this diabolical activity that we're seeing right now in the country? Uh, you know, drag queen story hours. Uh, uh, you know satanic wardrobe after school satanic programs, satanic coloring books satanic conferences how is this all this diabolical activity points to the coming of the antichrist
1: so that 's a huge topic <laughs> the short the short version would be this um, as i 've said, separating nature from grace we 've done that in every area of our society we 've made And and frankly, much of it began with Protestantism. I love my Protestant brothers and sisters. Many of them are still dear friends and mentors of mine. But Protestantism played a a pivotal role in this. One of the key ways in which it did that was by denying the sacramental character of marriage. I just tweeted about this the other day. By denying the sacramental character of marriage, it put marriage in the jurisdiction of the state. This is something that many of the earliest pilgrims bragged about. When you read William Bradford, and he was one of the early Uh, leaders of the plymouth colony in massachusetts he basically said yeah we put marriage under the jurisdiction of the magistrate because you know if it's under the church that's that popish roman nonsense and so so while we're living with the fruit of that you know that's part of the reason we have a catholic church because not not all of us realize the implications of what we're saying and the church warns us don't go there don't go there don't go there so when we desacramentalize marriage uh at the protestant revolt that really laid the groundwork for a lot of what we're dealing with now but we're doing it, in, as I said, we're doing it in education. We're doing it in separation of church and state. Um, and then uh, and when you look at people like the World Economic Forum, Yuval Harari. Now, look, those guys, the reason why I know that they're essentially connected with this, even if they're not necessarily intending it, when you read their books, and I have, I've been working on many of their books, they're utterly materialistic. There's not a mention of God. There's no transcendent horizon for human destiny whatsoever. Where's the soul? Who knows? <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't play a role in what they're doing. But the short reason why I think we're, we're experiencing what we are now, it's too much to get into right now, but I'll give an extremely broad overview. When you go to Second Thessalonians 2, that's the chapter where St. Paul talks about the coming of the Antichrist. Now, St. Paul says that there is something restraining Antichrist. The Greek term is katakon it is a it, the the saint paul uses two versions of it and one version is a neuter it and the other is a singular he so this catacon restrains the coming of the antichrist but saint paul says that just prior to antichrist coming this catacon will no longer restrain okay now there's been a lot of debate over the 2000 years of of the church what is this catacon well i'll give you my theory and this okay. i've been studying this topic very deeply I don't talk about this a whole lot in the book, but I think it connects a lot of these dots, and it basically explains what Monsignor Dillon lays out, and why Masons want to disconnect the state from the church, why they want to disconnect education from the church, why they want to separate marriage from the church, all these things. Um, I believe the catechon was Christendom. Uh, St. Paul calls Antichrist the man of lawlessness. So what would be the thing that restrains lawlessness? Well, it's lawfulness. And what is the church always taught are the sources of law and order in the world that God established to govern the world? Well, the church has always taught the temporal power and the spiritual power. Those who hold the sword, as Paul says in Romans thirteen, to go after wrongdoers and and, and establish justice, and those who hold the spiritual sword, the the priesthood, who have the authority to teach from God, faith and morals. And so, some of the earliest articulations of this doctrine, you know, Pope Galasius to Emperor Anastasius, he referred to the. Potestas, the power of the of the temporal power, and the auctoritas, the authority of the priesthood. So the potestas combined, I know, under the authority of the priesthood is what is the source of order in the world. Okay? Not that it can never be disordered. We know there's plenty of corrupt, you know, bishops, priests, whatever. That's all that's all a much longer conversation, but yeah. but through those long ages of Christendom, what happened? Paganism was beat back, the Ten Commandments were seen as normative. The sacramental life was made available to the peoples of the world. And I believe that is the catacomb that was restraining. And so why are we seeing a proliferation in the last few decades, but seemingly at a faster and faster pace in our own day? I believe it is because this catacomb, that Christendom, is frankly no longer restraining the evil. I think that's I think that's a very valid interpretation of events. I'm not here to set dates. I'm not here to say, we are in the end times. I don't know. We're not supposed to set dates as Catholics. Um, but through my study of this of this issue over the last two, three years, which I'll be writing another book about uh, next year, um, I think that's why we're seeing the rise of this sort of stuff.
0: Joshua, thanks a lot, my friend, for coming on. Uh, we'll have to have you on again. Awesome. I'd love awesome. to. God bless Thank you, my you. friend. Pick up this Thank book, you. War of the Antichrist, handbooks.com, War of the Antichrist. Pick it up panbooks.com. God bless you. We'll see you next time, Josh. Thank you, Jesse.
2: Welcome back to the
1: Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Hey, we're back to Terry and Jesse show. What What an incredible interview we just had with Joshua Charles, he uh, just wrote a book. It's called "The War of the Antichrist." Ten books. That was a high information interview. You want to listen to that interview again? Wow, he blew my mind. That's a topic that a lot of us are interested in. We want to know it's it's, it's eschatology and it's eschatology at its finest. So, up next, I think we got uh, Church Militant. Rich, do we have Church Militant on the air?
2: Hey Jesse,
0: how you doing? Ah, uh, 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 how are you, my friend? This is Jess Romero. Hey, hey uh, Jesse, so it's
2: Nick.
0: yeah, uh, Nick, talk to me. What's going on, my friend? Give us an update on church news, some of the politics and the culture wars that were involved in. Ah, uh, now I can see. There you are. I was. I said, who am I talking to? There's Nick. <laughs> Nick, welcome. What's going on, my friend? Talk to us.
2: Yeah. So first up, we have um, that that big bombshell report yesterday out of Chicago. So. You know, 451 Catholic clerics and religious brothers who, uh, 1,997 children abused from 1950 to 2019-ish that are in this report, 696 pages, just atrocious out of um, out of the out of the Illinois state. And so that's just the ones that we know that are reported, the ones that we know about. Of course, there are probably many more that we don't know about. And it's an absolute terrible thing. But I, th- I think one of the things that's also terrible is Cardinal Cupich's response to it. So there was one thing, and he released a lengthy response, but there's one thing in particular that I, that I think is worth highlighting. And he said that um, the AG said that the church is more worthy of investigation because it is a trusted religious organization And we at the archdiocese, he's saying, we think all children deserve to be protected regardless of whether they are cared for by a religious or secular institute. It isn't fair or wise to focus only on the Catholic Church, which has made the greatest strides in this area. And and I think he's totally wrong on that. I think that while, yes, there are abuses that occur everywhere, I think that it is completely right to lay the heaviest burden on the Catholic Church, who has the truth, who has the way of salvation, who is the Church of Jesus Christ, who is supposed to be Him to the world? It is absolutely the biggest shame on us whenever people in our church commit these crimes, and, and they should be they should be saying that they should be just said from the rooftops whenever the church is not fulfilling its duty on bringing people to salvation.
0: You know something, Nick. Something interesting. Some people will falsely say. That's a result of Vatican II. No, this was happening way before 1965. Way before this is a, and again, this is a problem that uh, we were dealing with a thousand years ago.
2: Uh, yeah, Saint Saint Peter Damien talked about absolutely. it a lot. Absolutely, the, there there were the early councils. They they were talking about this stuff. There's been, I mean, before there was a lot of talk about like priests with concubines and prostitutes and all those types of things. But there, priests have been committing sins against the sixth sixth commandment since basically it seems the beginning of the church yeah and and i'll tell you this is uh
0: this is the most common attack of the devil especially on men uh, he goes after the passions the emotions he attacks the senses and and again anybody can fall into these sexual sins that's why you have to keep your eyes on jesus the author and finisher of our faith, you've got to resolve to live in a state of grace. You've got to have a dedicated prayer life, a dedicated sacramental life. And uh, if if you take your eyes off the prize, wh- which is Christ, trust me, good men have slipped on these banana peels and fallen. And we're seeing this every, well, we've been hearing this for decades now. Uh, these are men that are consecrated to God. These are priests of the Most High God. That have the authority to give us a sacrifice of the mass, the sacraments, send people to heaven, drive out demons from people, and yet they're falling into the the, the sins of the sixth and ninth commandment uh, because what they're doing is uh, they're not they're they're not keeping their eyes on Christ uh, wow. and 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 making sure that you 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 maintain that that. Uh, interior life that's the most important thing for all of us as lay people as priests the interior life the interior life you can preach you can write books you know you can be on radio but if you don't have an interior life you're just a noisy gong as as a uh, saint paul the apostle says of the corinthians so what else is you, my friend what else is new
2: yeah, so we have a, a statement from the Pope today about the Church in China. So he was saying how he was in solidarity with them, his, his closeness to the brothers and sisters in China. And today, if you don't, if people don't know, May 24th, Pope Benedict made the uh, the Day of World, the World Day of Prayer for the Church in China. So today, especially, is a day that we should pray for them, and the the Pope today said that he, he invited all Christians to raise their prayers to God so that the good news of Christ, crucified and risen, may be proclaimed in its fullness, beauty, freedom, bearing fruit for all the good of the Catholic church and of the Chinese society. And so so that's what it's all about. The, the people, we're talk about we're oppressed in America. No, the people in China who just want to go to mass, who want to be good Catholics, they are very much oppressed. And this is this is the day specifically dedicated to pray for them.
0: You know, uh, I, I, I'm i conflicted oftentimes. I wish the Pope would do more. Sure. Uh, <laughs> At least make thunderous statements denouncing that regime, denouncing communism. Uh, I, I just uh, I don't think playing footsies with the communists. I don't think and, and, and soft peddling this issue. That's not helping anybody. And uh, again, I'm not the pope. I'm just kind of you know, you know, from, from the spectator section, just looking at uh, the way our brothers and sisters in, in China are being persecuted. And uh, it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart.
2: That's what Cardinal Zen Zen has said, that um, under Francis' pontificate with the people who have been the liaisons to China, the relationship has gotten much worse between the the chinese there who want to be faithful and the ccp under under pope benedict it was it was better even though there was no deal and the two sides weren't agreeing on things but under this you know more ecumenical style regime with uh with the ccp it's it's been much worse for the chinese unfortunately
0: what else is new my friend what else is happening in the culture and politics and in the church
2: yeah, so a, a really good one that we have and one that I would advocate that, you know, Catholics do everywhere. So our, our resistance, our local one here in the Detroit area, was uh, set up a big tent in at the entrance of a, of a pretty prominent park around here. And uh, it was on Saturday, and they had a bunch of free materials, Bibles, rosaries, pamphlets, all this, some signage that let you know what we were about and it's at, the, at the entrance of the park. And just as people came in, greeting them, asking them, you know, what can we pray for you for? Praying with people, um, asking them to, you know, come just have a conversation, handing out these free materials to them, whether it was Bibles, rosaries, whatever, and just really trying to evangelize whoever came into the park that day, just trying to start up a conversation, see where they are, trying to bring them closer to Christ and his church. And that's something that, um, yeah, just a great local thing that people can gather together and do and just yeah that there was a great uh fruits that i've heard from that from saturday
0: that's awesome uh every catholic should have an organization of, uh, and uh where they're out there doing apostolic work just like that parks malls here in phoenix we have a pretty strong uh, group of late catholic men that, that that do that as well and again it bears fruit because most people aren't used to seeing catholics in the public square saying hey yeah uh, you know you need, some, you need us to pray for you about something? Hey, why don't you take this pamphlet or this Bible or this rosary? There's a lot of fallen away Catholics walking around in the public square. And when they see a fellow Catholic reaching out to them, you can see their eyes light up. So uh, kudos to you guys, uh, Nick. Uh, that, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what Christ called us to do. That's called the Great Commission.
2: Yeah, something that's been very neglected, and so that's yeah. that's one thing that, you know, even in, even in Vatican II, Vatican II talks about the universal call to holiness, talks about the role of the laity in the public life to go out and evangelize, and so... Those are things that, you know, we've very much neglected. We've totally conceded the public square to Mm -hmm. basically every other group there is, whether they're right, left, whatever. And that's a place that we need to capture back because we do have the truth. The, The truth will speak for itself. We have to go out there and we just have to we have to speak it loudly from the rooftops and let it have its effects because it is compelling.
0: Amen. Well, Nick, thank you very much. Uh, the audience really enjoys Wednesday's updates with Church Militant. Tell, tell people uh, some of the things that you provide at Church Militant and how they can watch your programming.
2: Yeah, so every day at five o'clock we have our hour-long show called the Download, where we take a topic, uh, break it down, break it down very, uh, just very intimately, and go into it in very good detail. We have every day we have our headline show with. You know, top five stories of the day we have rome dispatch where we're hearing from our rome correspondent dr jules gomez about what what the happenings are more in the in the rome or european area just uh different daily shows that we have and of course the vortex every morning yeah just tons of different things you can find every day and you know every morning and evening we have liturgy the hours that you can do with us in our rosary in the morning just tons of things throughout the day if you, if you visit our website visit our youtube page that you'll be able to find all these things And, of course, our premium content, which is more deeper into the faith, tons, thousands of hours of different materials that will help you learn all about the faith.
0: You know, I want to say something about you guys. Uh, Sometimes you guys get a bad rap from people saying, these guys are always putting out bad news and these guys are real negative and, you know, these guys are just, uh, you know, news wonky guys. Let me tell you something. I know these guys. I've been over to church Milton half a dozen times. These guys and women are some of the most serious Roman Catholic Christians that I've ever met on planet Earth. I'm impressed with them. They're prayer warriors. They're sacramental warriors. Jesus is the center of their life. The rosary in every pocket. They, uh, they, they pray throughout the day. They have a chapel there. Let me tell you, uh, church militant has my respect. These guys are some of the most serious Catholics uh, that I've ever met in the United States. And, uh, you know, sometimes when people badmouth them, I stick up for you guys because I'm all over the country zipping around giving lectures. And uh, when they start badmouthing, and say, hey, don't badmouth them around me because they're my friend. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't know them. I do. They have zeal for the gospel. And uh, I wish some of you guys would have even a fraction of the zeal that these people have for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good for you guys, brother. We'll see you next week. I appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you so much. You got it, my friend. Well, that's a wrap, my friend. The Terry and Jesse Show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll continue with more programming from VMPR Radio. Remember, this is the month of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Pray rosaries every day. Stay close to Our Lady. Go to Mass as often as possible. Live in a state of grace. Be holy or die trying. Here's a Bible verse I want to end the show today with. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. The Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. God bless you, family. See you next time. Up next, my buddy Matt Arnold. There, he's in the bullpen, throwing some fastballs. He's up next. Matt Arnold. God bless you. Keep the faith.